Okay, if you want to turn in your Bible to Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 9 this morning, Jeremiah chapter 9. Continuing in our series in the book of Jeremiah, let's pray. Father, the Word of God always ministers to us. May that happen this morning. May the goodness of God come forth from His Word, touch our hearts, and bring us peace, both in our hearts and our minds, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I have kind of a little essay from an eminent philosopher, 20th century philosopher, uh, and he's dealing with the conflict that we have living in this very complex modern world. So, but this is philosophy, so it's deep, okay? So listen carefully. I'm only going to read this once. You really got to, okay, put on your, like my mom used to say, put on your thinking caps. Okay, here we go. Ready? Okay, here. When I'm driving in my car and a man comes on the radio, he's telling me more and more about some useless information supposed to fire my imagination. I can't get no, ho, no, no, hey, 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 that's what I say. I can get no satisfaction. When I'm watching my TV and a man comes on to tell me how white my shirts can be, well, he can't be a man because he doesn't smoke the same cigarettes as me. I can't get no satisfaction. Well, all of us know that that is um, the Rolling Stones, probably the most famous dancing rock and roll song of the past 50 years. I can't get no satisfaction. You're thinking, what in heaven's name does that have to do with Jeremiah chapter 9? In verse 23 and 24, Jeremiah writes, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, Mighty man in his might, rich man in his riches. But let him who boasts, boast of this, that he understands and knows me. And I read that and I said, I don't like the word boast. Do you know what I mean? Especially used in Christian context. I mean, how do you boast? That has such a negative frame of reference. So what did I do? Well, I went to the... Hebrew text, and I looked up the word boast in the Hebrew, and it is the Hebrew, Hebrew word halal. Halal. And then I looked it up in the lexicon, and the definition of halal is, is to be deeply thankful and satisfied. Satisfied in something of real worth. Then I looked at the passage. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man be satisfied in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man be satisfied 
in his might. Let not the rich man find eminent satisfaction in his riches. So I want to talk about why should we boast in the Lord? Well, let's read the chapter first. Now, as we have been doing in Jeremiah, we know that Jeremiah is doing a series of messages on the coming judgment that was coming to Israel, Judah, and Jerusalem specifically, because of their sin. Judgment was coming in the form of the nation of Babylon. Let's take a look at some of the major thoughts found in the chapter, and then we'll focus in on verses 23 and 24. Follow along with me as I read. Oh, that my head were waters and my eyes a fountain of tears, that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. Oh, that I had in the desert a wayfarer's lodging place, that I might leave my people and go from them. For all of them are adulterers, an assembly of treacherous men. They might bend their tongue like their bow. Lies and truth prevail and not truth prevail in the land. For they proceed from evil to evil. They do not know me, declares the Lord. Let everyone be on guard against his neighbor and do not trust any brother. Because every brother deals craftily. And every neighbor goes about as a slanderer. And everyone deceives his neighbor, does not speak the truth. They have taught their tongue to speak lies. They weary themselves in committing iniquity. Your dwelling is in the midst of deceit. Through deceit they refuse to know me, declares the Lord. Verses 1 through 6. Mourning and weeping, mourning and weeping for Israel because of their immorality. Mourning and weeping for Israel because of their immorality. Verse 7. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will refine them and assay them. For what else can I do because of the daughter of my people? Their tongue is a deadly arrow. It speaks deceit. With his mouth one speaks peace to his neighbor, but inwardly he sets an ambush for him. Shall I not punish them for these things, declares the Lord? On a nation such as this, shall I not avenge myself? For the mountains I will take up a weeping and wailing, for the pastures of the wilderness a dirge, because they are laid waste, so that no one passes through, and the lowing of cattle is not heard. Both the birds of the sky and the beasts have fled, they are gone, and I will make Jerusalem a heap of ruins, a haunt of jackals, and I will make the cities of Judah a desolation without inhabitant. Verses 7 through 11. What's about to happen? What is about to happen to Israel because of their sin and their immorality? Verse 12. Who is the wise man that may understand this? And who is he whom the mouth of the Lord has spoken that he may declare it? Why is the land ruined, laid waste like a desert so that no one passes through? And the Lord said, because they have forsaken my law, which I have set before them, and have not obeyed my voice, nor walked according to it, but have walked after the stubbornness of their heart, and after the Baals, as their father taught them, 
Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, behold, I will feed them, this people, with wormwood, and I will give them poison water to drink. And I will scatter them among the nations whom neither they nor their fathers have known. And I will send the sword after them until I have annihilated them. Verses 12 through 16. Why this will happen to Israel? Why will this happen to Israel? Because of their sin and their immorality. Verse 17. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider and call for the mourning women that they may come. Send for the wailing women that they may come. And let them make haste and take up a wailing for us. That our eyes may shed tears and our eyelids flow with water. For a voice of wailing is heard from Zion. How we are ruined. We are put to great shame. For we have left the land because they have cast down our dwellings. Now hear the word of the Lord, O you women. Let your ear receive the word of his mouth. Teach your daughters wailing and every her neighbor a dirge. For death has come upon our windows and has entered our palaces to cut off the children from the streets and young men from the town squares. Speak thus, declares the Lord. The corpses of men will fall like dung on the open field and like the sheaf after a reaper and no one will gather them. Verses 17 through 22, more mourning and weeping for Israel. Verses 23 and 24, thus says the Lord, let not a mighty man boast of his wisdom, let not, let not the wise man boast of his wisdom, let not the mighty man boast of his might, let not the rich man boast of his riches, but let him who boasts boast of this, that he understands and knows me, I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For I delight in these things, declares the Lord. What's missing from Israel? People putting their trust. People putting their trust and hope in the Lord. Finally, verse 25 and 26. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, that I will punish all who are circumcised, yet uncircumcised, Egypt, Judah, Edom, and yet uncircumcised, and Moab, and all those inhabitants, the desert who clipped the hair of their temples, for all the nations are uncircumcised, and all the house of Israel are uncircumcised by heart. Assurance of judgment for Israel is proclaimed in verses 25 and 26. Okay. Overview of chapter 9. Now let's focus in on verses 23 and 24. Boasting in the Lord. Normally, when you look at a text, it's always good, perhaps, to ask a series of questions. Always ask a series of questions. What does this mean? So I've, my outline is kind of derived from five questions. Some what questions, some how questions, and some why questions. First question, point A. How do these verses, verses 23 and 24, connect with the rest of the chapter? What's the connection The connection is, as we read the chapter, it's very evident that the people of Judah Judah and Jerusalem have gotten to the place where their heart are set on other things. They're finding satisfaction. They're finding thanksgiving in that which is leading them away from God. It's temporary. It's temporary. But there is no one, very few at least, 
were boasting in the Lord. And then these two verses come like a breath of fresh air in the midst of horrible, horrible immorality. Second question. What are we tempted to do rather than boast in the Lord? Well, verse 23 starts us off. Let us not boast, let a wise man boast in his wisdom, a mighty man in his might, or a rich man boast in his riches. Now, you're thinking, well, wait a minute, Pastor Neil. I don't boast. I, you know, boasting, you know, some braggart saying, well, did you see the, the, all the money I made? Did you see the big fish I caught? Did you see, you know, nobody likes to boast. But wait, 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 wait a minute. Don't use the way we use the word today. Go back to the biblical definition. Remember what the biblical definition was? To be deeply thankful. Deeply thank and to find satisfaction. Okay, let's go back to the verse then. Let not the wise man be deeply satisfied in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man be eminently thankful for his might. Let not the rich man be satisfied in his riches. Ah, oh, ah, now we can kind of get in touch with what the Lord is saying to us here. Now notice, uh, the tendency is, is what we have, we boast in, we find satisfaction. So the The mighty man finds satisfaction in what he's been given. The rich man and the wise man. Same thing. In other words, oftentimes the temptation is that which we're strong in becomes a source of what? Our thankfulness and our satisfaction. I want to read a few scriptures. You might want to write these down. Uh, first one is in Deuteronomy chapter 9. Deuteronomy chapter 9. Now, if you know anything about Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy is the last sermon of Moses. Just prior to them crossing over the Jordan and going into the land. This is what Moses said to them. Chapter 9, verse 1. Hear, old Israel, you are crossing over the Jordan today to go in and dispossess the nations greater and mightier than you. Great cities, fortified to heaven. A people great and tall, the sons of Anakim, who you know, and of whom has been heard, said, Who can stand before the sons of Anak? Know therefore today that it is is the Lord your God who is crossing over before you as a consuming fire. He will destroy them and he will subdue them before you so that you may drive them out and destroy them quickly, just as the Lord has spoken. Do not say in your heart when the Lord your God has driven them out before you, because of my righteousness, the Lord has brought me to possess this land. But it is because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord is dispossessing them before you. It is not for your righteousness or for the uprightness of your heart that you are going to possess their land, but it is because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord your God is driving them out before you in order to confirm the oath that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Know then, it is not because of your righteousness 
that the Lord your God is giving you this good land to possess, for you are a stubborn and stiff-necked people. See the point? What's the point? Don't think when you get in the land, oh, I did it. You didn't. It's a gift. It's a gift. Look at uh, Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Paul is speaking about that which God has given us. And he says this, Romans 12, 3. For through the grace given to me, I say to every man among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think, have sound judgment as God has allotted to each of us a measure of faith. The thing that we have is from the Lord. Two other scriptures. Um, first one, First uh, Corinthians. First Corinthians chapter 4. Now, First Corinthians, in these early chapters, Paul is dealing with the Corinthians, and they had begun to think, well, I'm a, I like Paul, or I like Apollos, and, you know, they would comparing their teachers. And in chapter 4, verse 6, he says this, Now these things, brethren, I have figuratively applied to myself and Apollos for your sakes, that in us you might learn not to exceed what is written in order that no one of you become arrogant, boastful in behalf of one against another. Now here's the verse. I want, verse 7 is worthy to be underlined. For who regards you as superior? Now here it is. And what do you have that you did not receive? That's a very important question. But if you did receive it, why do you boast? As if you had not received it. Hmm. Final scripture, 2 Timothy. Second Timothy, chapter three, verse one. Second Timothy three one. But realize this: that in the last days, difficult times will come, for men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they denied its power, avoid such men as these. I like that phrase, having a form of godliness. In other words, there's, there's, there's a certain uh, aura of power in them, But what do they do? They deny the power and its source, which is God, and they begin to think, it's all about me. It's all about me. We tend to be satisfied in that which God has given us. Now, remember in Romans chapter 1 where it talks about what was the problem in Romans chapter 1? What was the problem? Uh, They worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator. This is a form of self-worship. 
See, they're being satisfied in that which God had given them. What are we tempted to do rather than boast in the Lord? We're tempted to find our satisfaction in that which God has given us rather than the God who gave it to us. Okay, third question. What are we called to do? Okay, there's a temptation. What are we called to do? And what does that mean? Verse 24. But let him who boasts boast of this, that he understands and knows me. Two things here we're called to do. We're called to find our satisfaction in understanding the Lord and we're called to find satisfaction that we know the Lord. Two different things. There's two words here. Two different things here. First, let's look at understanding the Lord. What this means is to try to understand who God is. What is He like? What does He do? What are His characteristics? And you're saying, well, wait a minute, Pastor. We'll never understand God fully. That's true, amen? He's beyond our understanding. But that which He has revealed, our duty, our satisfaction is to do what? We're to find satisfaction in searching and getting to understand who He really is. Come back to me with um, Psalm 1. Now, you know where I'm going with this, but let's read it anyway. It's helpful. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, not finding a sense of satisfaction with the wicked and the sinner and the scoffer. Ah, verse 2. But his delight, or could we say, is it possible to put in there his satisfaction... His sense of deep thankfulness is in the law of the Lord, in the Word of God. Why? Because in the Word of God, he's understanding who God is. And in his law, he meditates day and night, thinking about it, understanding God more and more. He'd be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season. Leaf does not wither, whatever it does. Prospers. So, we're to find our satisfaction in a deepening understanding of who God is. That's, our, that's, that's the source of our life. Secondly, we're to find satisfaction in a sense of thankfulness that we know the Lord. Now, this is different. This is the subjective part. Now we understand and we're, we're, we're trying to understand who He is, but now the, un, the knowing is walking with Him, yielding to Him. He, we're walking as a friend with Him. He guides and leads us daily. And we get to know Him as a personal friend, as a director of our life. Now you've all heard those testimonies, haven't you? Testimony like this. Well, you know, I was at the... I was at the hospital and I was praying for Aunt Sally. And when I prayed for her, the Lord reached down and guess what? She got healed. What does that sound like? It almost sounds like what? 
boasting. But it's not boasting, it's giving testimony. You see, there's a sense there, yes, it's so good to be what? Used by the Lord. So good to see what He's doing in my life. And that, that becomes what? A source of satisfaction. A source of deep abiding thankfulness for Him and His work in our lives. So we're called to find satisfaction in understanding who He is and knowing Him in our experience. Now, fourth question, well, why are we called to do this? Well, the second half of verse 24. Why are we called to do this? He says, Let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness, justice, and righteousness on this earth, for I delight in these things. There's another two reasons, another list of two things of why we should do this. Why are we called to do this? First reason, the Lord exercises loving kindness, justice, and righteousness. This is connected to our understanding of who He is. This is connected to our understanding of who He is. We have to know that God is love. God is justice. God is righteous. Why is that important? Let me share kind of my experience. I've been a pastor here on full-time staff since uh, September of 1982. Came on as the senior pastor in May of 87. In all those years, I've had some things happen to me that, and probably you have, uh, this is nothing different, where after it happened, I thought, (laughs) what was that about? Have you ever had those experiences? There's been times when in my heart of hearts, I thought I was doing right and had the whole thing blow up in my face. Have you had those experiences? (laughs) Or blissfully ignorant of what was going around and had the Lord do what? Just bless me. Bless the ministry or the, the, this church. And that's been going on for years. And you say, well, what has that got to do with what you're talking about? It's got everything to do with it. Because feelings are feelings. Experiences are experiences. But you, listen carefully, you do not determine your theology from your subjective feelings and experiences. You develop your theology from what? From the Word of God. And He says, in spite of your experience that you cannot explain, it says what? It says that He is a loving God. God is love. It has nothing to do with this weird experience that you had in this crazy world. God is still love. He will always be loving. His direction is always loving towards you. God is always just. He's always just. He will judge every sin. He will. He will call everyone accountable, either in Christ or at the great white throne judgment. We will answer for every wicked evil thought and deed that we did. 
And God is righteous. God is light and in Him is no darkness. And no experience, no feeling changes what we understand about God. And that's why we find our sense of satisfaction in understanding who He is. Because you begin to develop your theology on your experiences and the crazy things that happen in this world, you'll find yourself far, far away from the God of the Bible. Second, it says, not only does he exercise loving kindness, justice, and righteousness, but he delights in these things. What does that mean? He delights doing them, but he also delights seeing them in his creation. That's what he longs to see. He longs to see loving kindness in you. He loves to see justice in you. He loves to see righteousness in you. He looks for that. Now, I've been picking on the engineers, and I don't, you know, I don't have anything against the engineers, but they're a good target to pick on. Say if you're an engineer kind of person. You walk into a room, a workstation, and the workstation is just, Perfect. I mean, it's got a list of things that need to be done. All the books are put in order of their thickness. There's the thick ones to the thin ones. This way. The pencils are sharpened and lined up right there. The fresh calendar turned to the right date. When you come into an office like that in a workstation, what does that do to your soul? You delight in that because that is who you are. Isn't that true? However, if you come into a messy station where the books are all messy and you can't find the calendar and there's no list of what you're supposed to do, it's like, ah! That's what he's saying here. He delights to see us expressing his loving kindness, his justice, and his righteousness. He longs to see that. And it's not something we, we, we work up. It's something that he imparts to us as we, A, understand him, and B, as we walk with him and know him. That's why we should boast in the Lord. Now, here's the negative side. If our life is filled with finding satisfaction in our, our wisdom, our might, and our riches. If that's our life, and that can be true. We can begin as Christians. This is not talking about non-Christian in, in verse 23, Christian in verse 24. He, that can be true. Verse 23 can be true for some of us at different times in our lives. Is that not true? Of course it is. Let me tell you the fruit you reap. So if you boast in the Lord, you, you slowly become more loving, slowly becoming um, more just and righteous. But let me read a list of what happens to you when you're doing verse 23. Not a good list. Here it is. Listen to these. Immorality. Impurity, 
sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outburst of anger, disputes, dissensions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. Those kind of things begun to evidence in our lives. So our boast should be in understanding and knowing Him because it produces loving kindness, justice, and righteousness in our lives as opposed to the list that was found in Galatians chapter 5 which is a list of the fruit of the flesh. Okay. Well, how, um, how do we do this? Okay, three observations then getting... Some thoughts about getting started. First, first observation. Realize, the, realize everything that you are and everything you have is a gift from God. Everything you are and everything you have is a gift of God. If you've got a gift of making money or uh, if you have a gift of putting things together in such a neat way, if you're artistic, if you've got a good way with figures, that is not you. He's given it to you. It's a gift, and you should use it for him. Number two, realize that God is more. <laughs> what do I mean? That? More than all of that which you've been given. You know why? Because you leave every bit of that here, <laughs> don't you? And what do you take into the other life? You take loving kindness, justice, and righteousness. You leave everything here. Number three, the zest for life is found in being used by the creator of the world, universe, for his purposes. There is nothing better. Nothing. You're saying, well, wait a minute. There's nothing? Nothing is better than to know that God has used you to bring life into a place where there was no life. Okay, getting started. First of all, we need to grow in our understanding we need to accept Christ as our Savior if we've never done that. We need to recommit our lives. We need to put aside our boasting, our sense of satisfaction in these other things. Two, we need to understand Him more. We need to read His book on a regular basis. Two, three, four chapters a day. Genesis to Revelation. Oh, that's so legalistic, Neil. It's coming to know and understand God. That should be part of our life. I would suggest also taking a journal. A journal. Writing down what you discover about God and what He speaks to you. What did God say to you? Write it down. Develop a journal. Very, very important. It helps you kind of solidify, not just reading page after page, but you're looking for God to say something to you. I really encourage you to journal. Read Christian books. Read good Christian books. I have three I'm going to suggest. I'm not selling them. These are not on sale and it's not a commission, any deal. 
How many of you have ever read My Utmost for His Highest? The rest of you, go home and buy this book. My Utmost for His Highest by Oswald Chambers. It is the classic Christian devotional. This man will speak to you. God will speak to you. My Utmost for His Highest. Book that I've just recently read, Heaven by Randy Alcorn. It's a very simple book. It's called Heaven by Randy Alcorn, produced by Tyndale. You need to read this book. That's a good book. These are suggestions. Now, one that I've really enjoyed, and it's a five-volume set. Five volumes. Answering Jewish Objections to Jesus. You say, Neil, what has that got to do with spiritual life? If you want to understand a Jewish mindset and the Hebrew Scriptures, this five-volume set will blow your mind. Answering Jewish Objections to Jesus, Volume 1. There are five volumes by Michael Brown. Okay, You need to understand the God we serve. And we need to walk with the Lord daily. Walk with Him daily. Have you considered getting involved in church? Have you considered using your gift that you have? Getting involved here? Have you considered putting your feet on the floor as soon as you get up in the morning and say, Lord, whatever you have for me today, I yield myself to you? Have you considered doing that? Have you considered allowing the Lord to use you in His service for His kingdom? There is nothing better than to be used by God. Nothing better. Okay. Boasting. Has a negative connotation. Abiding thankfulness and a sense of satisfaction. Everything else, we're wasting our time if we boast in anything else. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for Jeremiah chapter 9. It's wonderful two verses. We pray that um, each of us might boast in the Lord our God. The characteristics of God might slowly be molded in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand with me this morning. Now, perhaps you're here this morning and you've never, um, you've never said yes to Christ. I think I know most of you, but it, perhaps there's someone here that has never said, you know, I, I need Jesus in my life. Or perhaps uh, you've strayed, you've walked away from the Lord, and it's time to get right with the Lord. I want to give you something, but I want you to come up as we're just kind of closing right now. I want you to come up. I want to pray for you. Just take a moment. Is there anyone here who would like to accept Christ? Recommit. Yes. Anyone else? Anyone else? Come up. Anyone else? Good. Let's, let me pray for this brother. Father, I thank you for my brother. I thank you for the word of God speaking to his heart opening his life in a fresh new way in you. We ask your hand of blessing on him.
May the goodness of the Lord permeate his life, his family, as he yields himself fully to you, we pray in Jesus' name.